When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Jonathan. Just letting you know that what you're about to hear is our San Diego Comic-Con 2019 special. This is our chance for those of you who did not make it to San Diego Comic-Con to go behind the booth and attend San Diego Geekscape style. That means I'll be taking you behind the booth, giving you access to an amazing week. And that's through the eyes of both our guests that came by the booth to sign, like uh, past Geekscape guest Satine Phoenix, and new friends like Daryl McDaniels from Run DMC, who was at our booth as our guest signing and appearing and shaking hands and taking photos with all of you. Also, we're going to sit down with a couple of the Geekscapists that worked the booth and worked Comic-Con, like Derek Craneveld, the host of our Xbox Game Passenger show, Matt Kelly from Horror Movie Night, who absolutely was MVP of the booth. <laughs> this dude absolutely carried us uh, and made it so that I could safely drive back to San- uh, Los Angeles this morning without being tired. Matthew, thank you so much for being the MVP of the Geekscape booth every year. And this year, you really got it down to a science and you really helped out. And also we have a newcomer this uh, year to the Geekscape San Diego Comic-Con staff, and Stephen Bay. He's the host of Analog Jones on the, on the uh, Geekscape network, and we sit down and talk a bit about what they've experienced. So Derek and Stephen, they got it to go out and experience the, uh, the con, while Matt, Gee, and I kind of worked the booth. And then Michaela got to walk around and do a bunch of the social media posts. So if you haven't subscribed to Geekscape Forever on Instagram or been a part of our Facebook group, or our Twitter, uh, definitely go and join those. Search for them and join them up and subscribe so that you can see all the amazing stuff that we've been putting in for the last week. We do have a brand new website at geekscape.net. Thank you so much, Paul, for helping design this website and helping put it all together. You and Derek really knocked it out of the park. Geekscapists, if you have not visited our brand new website, definitely go and uh, add it to your bookmarks and share it with your friends because if there's anything Geekscape that you need, um, it's going to be there from articles to podcasts and new announcements. So this is Jonathan taking you behind the scenes at San Diego Comic-Con to hang out with our guests and our friends. If you want some movie reviews with Ian and I, or if you want me to sit down with some storytellers and talk about the process of telling their stories, go back through the feed if this is your first Geekscape and discover some of the episodes we've had going back 13 years. Uh, we made a lot of new friends in San Diego. Some of you may be discovering Geekscape for the very first time. If so, jump in, maybe put your toe in the in the pool, or maybe just dive in head first and just start uh, getting excited about all the stuff that we're trying to share with you guys, because that's what we're for. It was fun sharing with that with you guys in San Diego this past week. And without further ado, I present to you the Geekscape 2019 San Diego Comic-Con special. Hey Geekscapists, we're here on the Comic-Con floor at the Geekscape booth with our good friend, 
Satine Phoenix, who's been to the show before. She's been on Geekscape several times. And uh, Stefan Picorni, who is uh, her partner in this brand new endeavor called Destination Fantastic. I think it's still going on on Kickstarter because I'm posting this during the con. Um, we're going to find out how long this thing is, is going and what it is. But it's a travel show to the fantastic. So you guys have seen travel shows before. Obviously, you've seen them on like Discovery Networks and things like that. This is a travel show for people like us who want to say, what about those fantastic places where there may still be elves in the darkest of forests or there might be uh, you know, ice giants up in the farthest reaches of the Alps. Whatever it is, they're going to find out because... They're into the fantastic, and they know where they they find out. Like they know where they hide. Nobody knows that stuff better than Satine. We know from the show. Um, so where did this idea come from? Uh, this is Stefan's idea, actually. Stefan has. Uh, there's a really awesome documentary about Stefan called The Dwarvenaut, and he and his friend Josh Bishop they got together. They did that. They wanted to continue on telling stories, but. Uh, he wanted to do a travel show. I travel a lot. We both are Renaissance people. We're both classically trained artists who basically get inspired by every single thing we see. And we're really into mythologies and history. So together, it was just like, um, it was obvious. Yeah. Stefan, how did you guys meet? Uh, I think we met on a panel. I think it's the first time we met on a panel at uh, GaryCon. And uh, and then we started attending all the same parties, and then we started gaming together and doing these live streams. And you know, Josh, Josh, me and Josh have been cooking up this this idea for this show for years, ever since the Dwarven Eye. And uh, and I was like, you know, if we could get Satine on this show, it'd be fantastic. She's she's a natural, perfect fit, and a great ambassador to the game, to the hobby. And uh, she doesn't get jet lag ever. And uh, <laughs> she's a, a force, a tornado, a force of, of dynamicism. And we went all across glaciers and into volcanoes and battled trolls and spoke to elves. And all of that can be seen on our first episode in Iceland that is just about wrapped up. So we're looking to fund it maybe another $50,000 and we're there. So spread the word. Yeah, you guys have this Kickstarter uh, going on right now, and uh, let's talk about it. Like, what are so? What's the goal of this first initial Kickstarter? The goal of the first initial Kickstarter is to pay for the film. It is really expensive to pay for all the equipment, all the people to go to all these locations. It's a movie. Yeah, it's an hour-long movie, and we've been filming it for, what, three or four months, all the pre-production, not including the post-production. So it's very expensive to make this. And we didn't want to make something that other people were going to tell us how to make it. We were like, okay, look, we're both game masters. Uh, we aren't into just, like, the superficial, like, oh, look, it's a fun story. Look, there's trolls and elves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more about, okay, we're fun in games, but let's go into the guts of what it's like to be a real storyteller. Let's go to an archive and look up the old Snorri tales. Let's look up the Codex Regius, which is uh, written in 1200 and what is basically Lord of the Rings. I pretty much Tolkien, like, took it, <laughs> which is great. So, so basically what you guys are doing is finding maybe some of the uh, popular lore that people enjoy and know about, like Lord of the Rings or maybe modern day fantasy, and you guys are tracing them back to their actual roots in some of these 
far off places. Yeah, and not only that, so we, we went to Iceland. That was the first goal, but we want to do a series of at least eight shows. Um, they're very expensive, so we're hoping to recoup our costs from what we've already put into it, uh, finish paying for it, finish up the first episode, and then get a couple more episodes under our belt. We want to go into uh, England and look into the history of England. I'm trying to push them to go to Malta because apparently there's like uh, history that goes all the way back to like 2000 BC. We want to go to New Zealand. Totally. Go. I want to go to Hobbiton. <laughs> you want to go to, yeah, what about places like Asia, Japan, things like that that have, you know, some different Any, types everywhere. of fantasy. We want to go everywhere, you know, so many places we want to go to and, and even just, you know, turn the microscope back on America and, and all the crazy, wonderful things we have here and dynamic, interesting people. And, you know, because these kinds of hobbies, you know, they originated here in America, Dungeons and Dragons. And we have a great culture of gaming and we got... Uh, you know, all kinds of conventions that means the team travel to all year long. And I just thought it would be great to, to do a America episode and bring our friends. Yeah, all our friends. You know, we, we want to get people we know, uh, famous people in the field, into these episodes. So um, you guys are both game masters. You guys are both pretty avid Dungeons & Dragons and roll, uh, tabletop players. Is there an element of gameplay in these episodes beyond them just being the basis for the backstory on some of these things that you guys are pursuing? Is there actual role-playing going on? Is there some gamification of some of these episodes? Yeah, so what we do is we go to locations. We figure out what the mythology is. We go into the land, and then we actually eat some of the food. And it's all part of the ecosystem, right? We absorb what we can from those. And for the Iceland, Stefan, actually, we went to a game store, and we played with locals, and it was awesome. They made names that I can't even repeat. I have no idea what they were saying. But it was amazing. <laughs> we gamed with the Icelandians, yeah. But it didn't turn out good for them in the end, but, you know... <laughs> So there is some there is some some tabletop going on in these oh, yeah, episodes yeah. to yeah, kind of give you guys some cred so you guys know what you're talking about and to kind of make you guys authorities on this stuff and not just outsiders coming into this new place and being tourists. It's not a show like it's not all about Dungeons and Dragons, but there is Dungeons and Dragons in it. There is gaming in it. There is uh, RPG. You know, there's we run games and we. We're inspired by the places we go, and then we, we use that and incorporate it into our games that we play with the people out there. You know, we want to run games everywhere, you know, England, Iceland, uh, New Zealand, with the actual people, Peru, Peruvians, that live there and, 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 and absorb this into us, and we want to take everyone with us. But are you guys actually going to be looking for fantastic creatures in the way that you did as a Dwarvian? Are you guys actually going to, going to go to the, under the, under the uh, troll bridges and into the forests and looking, be looking for these, some of these, places, these fantastic creatures? Can you bring them to light, put a camera on them? Well, some of them. Well, actually, we explain it, actually. We explain it in um, the first episode of Destination Fantastic. We interviewed the fairy lady. And we walked through her uh, home and her, yeah, we talked to a druid. We went to the ley lines. Uh, one of the things that we're trying to do is not just about gaming, but it's about being a storyteller and how gaming inspires stories to be made, whether it's uh, novels, comics, or movies or TV shows. So we're not just trying to reach the gamer audience. We're trying to get people who are inspired by the things around them and give them permission to also act upon those inspirations. Cool. Well, guys, the 
uh, the Kickstarter is called Destination Fantastic. The show is called Destination Fantastic. These are one-hour episodes. Uh, you can definitely see Satine and Stefan in them. And, uh, and you guys wear some costumes. You guys definitely push the fantastic into us. And uh, that's, that's what, what we, but that's like. what we go to for it. That's you, not a costume. You, that's what but I you got like. the ear. That's, that's those those are your ears. Those are your ears. <laughs> you do have a cape. Stefan does have a cape. And I guess, I guess here at Comic-Con, the, the, the word costume is definitely loose around here because sometimes I feel like my human form is my costume so that's very true we definitely for, we definitely forget the, the we're lines so blur this, we're just used to it um, so Geekscapist go check out the Kickstarter please uh, do whatever you guys can to get them to their goal and pass their goal and into their stretch goals because we want to see more episodes of this and I think this is something that would be a lot of fun to watch it would be really cool to learn the basis for some of these things that sometimes we take granted uh, when we're playing these these tabletop games, we, we, there's some great stretch goals. Like you can play in a game as a teen, you can at her place, and she's actually going to cook dinner for you. Yes, and I I as well have a game where you come to Chateau Picorni in Seattle and uh, play D and D in my great hall, and then we will have a barbecue <clears throat> or a spaghetti. I'm not sure if I'm going to make a sauce for that or not, but or maybe a little both. You know. But you will really get to meet us and hang out with us and really spend an entire, uh, you know, game and, and evening with us. So that's, I think it's a wonderful reward, but, you know. <laughs> so Stefan is a creator of Dwarven Forge, and it's the per- world's premier uh, mini terrain for gaming. Oh, we play with Dwarven Forge, no. for sure. I play with Dwarven Forge. Exactly. So he's actually making some custom pieces that are Destination Fantastic, and I'm going to try to learn how, and if I could do it in time, maybe I'll sketch out a piece, because that would be really fun. I'm doing a bunch of illustrations of uh, gaming uh, characters, like wizard, fighter, taking selfies in front of these landscapes. So that's my illustration. He has art. There's miniatures of us. There's, we have really interesting goals, and I believe we're also making modules based off of... Um, yeah, I actually, I've been, I play tested it twice. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you which adventure. No, I am. It's the volcano adventure. So these are, these are modules based on the Destination Fantastic episodes and things that are happening in them. Yeah, so if you watch the episode and then you play the, the game, you can see how it inspired me and how, like, what I pulled from the land and then what I put into it based off of all of the mythology that we've been researching. It's research, man. Like, like this is hardcore. <laughs> well, Geeks gave us, you got the mission. Uh, Destination Fantastic on Kickstarter. Please, uh, for sure, follow up with Satine and Stefan and, uh, and support them because this is actually pretty exciting. It's not just a series. It's an entire transmedia experience. It's a show for us geeks, made by geeks, for the world to see how we really are, how we roll, how we play and not in some caricature way, but, but the real way, unfiltered and true, true to the heart. Geekscapist, I'm here on the floor with one of my good friends, Derek Cranavelt, the manager of the Geekscape.net website. And he's been hitting the floor, picking up all the news, going to some of the installations. He's really been the guy who's experiencing the convention while Matt Gee and I are stuck here behind <laughs> the booth trying to shill t-shirts and press palms and meet people. Derek's actually getting the, a chance to experience Comic-Con. And so I want to ask him what he's been experiencing. What are you out there doing? You brought Mika with you? Yeah. Our social media super, director? Yeah, social media director, Michaela. Um, that's very... I don't know why you're pointing at me. Guy, why are you distracting uh, us? Because it's more complete. They just okay, announced okay. Black Widow. Okay. Okay. So, so Guy is, <laughs> is trying to... 
He is trying to help Derek uh, stay topical. So, um, listen, uh, what, what do you, what's, what's been going on? What are the big announcements? Marvel just had their giant... Moments ago, actually, yeah. So they started their panel uh, by saying that they were going to be announcing 10 big things. Uh, everyone kind of thought it was just going to be movies, but it was actually, it's kind of a big mixture of next phase of Marvel movies, but also a bunch of Disney Plus series as well, most of which sound like they're going to contain the original cast from all the movies and everything like that, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, there's so much stuff from 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 Marvel that's just happened. It, uh, the next phase is going to kick off, I think it was May of next year. Um, we're getting Black Widow. Uh, the Eternals is coming as well. Which and these has, are films. These are... Black Widow's a film. Black Widow's going to be back uh, in Natasha's past before uh, before S.H.I.E.L.D., before anything like that. So it's back when she was still an assassin. Um, so I think that should be obviously a very interesting piece of her life that we've not explored at all at this point. Um, yeah, that, that should be really, really neat. We've also got The Eternals, which has a pretty big cast in it. Um, it's not coming to me right now, but Angelina Jolie is uh, starring Camille in The Eternals. Camille Nanjiani. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Salma Hayek. Yeah, okay. yeah. So pretty big cast for The Eternals as well. Um, a few minutes ago as well. Next Thor movie. Thor is called Thor, Love and Thunder. And uh, Natalie Portman will be back as a female Thor in this movie Oh, she's well. going to be the female she's, Thor. She's female Jane Thor, Foster's absolutely. Jane female yeah. Thor. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I just finished catching up that entire storyline of Lady Thor. It okay, sounds yeah. awesome. Uh, new Doctor Strange as well. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, okay. I believe that... Uh, i got to tell you, I'm excited about them addressing the multiverse. Oh, yeah. That they yeah. opened up yes. in, uh, in Endgame, because that is a whole bunch of Tom Foley. Totally, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. so that should be very, very neat. Um, I think they said that Wanda will be a part of that film as well. Um, so that she should have some big part in it. Shang-Chi, which I'm not familiar with at yeah. all, was just Ma- announced for a Marvel Master Studios film Kung as well. I'm fr- they announced that a while ago. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that one. Uh, a Hawkeye series on uh, Disney Plus okay. as well, which will follow Clint uh, during his time as Ronan. Uh, okay. Oh, that's be, awesome. Which should be very interesting. Um, as well as a Loki series, a series called WandaVision. So much stuff. Uh, even a What If animated series. The What uh, If animated series is that going to be part of Phase Four? That's going to tie in with the story apparently, yeah, about? apparently it is. Yeah, yeah, I love the idea that there's a What If. <laughs> yeah, who who would have thought? Like even a few years ago, that something as weird and obscure as that uh, could exist in in a universe like this. What If used to be one of my favorite series because it was like What If the Beyonder oh yeah had never happened or What <laughs> If the Secret War had never happened and and you'd be like oh I don't know. What if Captain America had never been unfrozen yeah, from the yeah. ice? That was a popular one. Well, and yeah, I wonder what kind of topics they'll be covering in this series like this as well. Like, is it just, um, you know, had different pieces of, of each phase happen differently? Like, like we will see the world as it would happen in that, in, in that timeline? Or, um, you know, if Captain America wasn't a dick and stayed in his timeline instead of going, <laughs> uh, going back to be with Peggy? Yeah, it, it, yeah, and it, there's two Captain Americas in that storyline now. Spoiler watch: uh, <laughs> Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's a uh, that's a Marvel Disney Plus, uh, Disney Plus series okay. as well. Yeah, yeah, and all of it like, how much money are they putting into this? Because these series all star the actual original actors from the movies themselves as well. Like I can't imagine, and and for a series for a for a platform that costs seven dollars a month or something like that like they are putting so much money into this and i think that they're really going to be um pushing hard for this to really really take over okay so we just found out that there's going to be a blade movie oh, and no a fantastic way. four movie marvel just reported while we're recording this <laughs> there's going to be a blade movie and a fantastic wow. four movie um holy shit i'm going to go ahead and search the hashtag marvel dc um 
the the Chang Chi has been uh, cast. It's a Canadian actor, I think. He's yeah, a Canadian, yeah. Chinese, Chinese Canadian actor, Simu Liu. Uh, Simu Liu is the I believe that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> but yeah, look at it here. There's a giant blade. Oh my logo, gosh, that's a surprise. That's blade huge. is coming to the MCU. I can't imagine how much like but, Hall H is freaking out at this moment. But who's playing him? Marshala Ali, Oscar oh, winner. Oh, he's got a. Oh, there's an actor already. Oscar they winner. Cast him already. Oscar winner from Green Book, Marshala oh my, oh Ali. Oh my God, he Holy was the doctor, right? Shit. Uh, and Natalie Portman is going to be a Jane Foster mm-hmm. in the female bla- that is a uh, like, movie. For a company that they're so good at building the hype, and for a company that's had such a little such, such a small presence in terms of Paul H over the last year and, and everything like that um, I feel like this is this, they're blowing things out of the water in this case like this is going to be a panel people are talking about for some time Captain Marvel 2 and Black Panther 2 are in development yeah yeah. we're hearing that Fantastic Four like we said is in development Taskmaster is confirmed as the villain in Black <laughs> Widow holy shit we're going to see Taskmaster on the screen yes. Taskmaster he was in the Spider-Man game right he was yeah, yeah. That was, he was an, that was an interesting awesome. set of I can't quests. wait to see Taskmaster. This is going to be pretty damn good. <laughs> um, so now we have a timeline. There we have it. Black Widow is coming out. May, next May. So less than a year next until Black May. Widow. Then we're going to start getting some of these Disney yeah. Plus. Because uh, it launches Falcon. in November, I believe, right? Yeah. At least here. Fall 2020, we're going to get the Falcon Winter yeah. Soldier. Eternals is coming out shortly thereafter in November. Followed by Shang-Chi in February. WandaVision is going to be that spring. And then we're going to have the big summer May 7th date that Marvel's been holding on to. All that early May is going to be the Doctor Strange multiverse of madness. Followed by more Disney Plus with Loki in spring uh, 2021. Uh, What If is going to be a series that summer. Hawkeye is going to be a series that fall. And then November, remember the original Thor movie was released. And also Thor Ragnarok were released as November films. And Thor, and uh, I love that love Taika Waititi is it. back because, like, I feel like Thor one I barely remember, and Thor two was not a great experience, and Thor three just like hit all of the notes, and it was just just such a good tone and such good humor, and and I think he's he's done great work with the series, and it desperately needed it. So for him to come back for a, uh, another run, I think is awesome as well. Yeah, um, I wonder how much Taika Waititi returning to the franchise had to do with Natalie Portman who had been cold to her experience True, yep, with yep. Thor. I wonder how much that had to do with yep. her being like, you know what, I'll be a part of this. <laughs> this sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, Taika Waititi is a pretty exciting dude. Um, I'm sure he'd attract a lot of actors back to a franchise. Yep, yeah. um, I'm just going off of Twitter right now, Geekscapist. Again, I'm locked to the, to the booth, but I'm just going off of some randos uh, Twitter, but it says Feige confirms Fantastic Four, Black Widow, Unbelievable. Uh, uh, I think Four, I can hear Black- them yelling in Hall H from here, actually. <laughs> Fantastic Four, Black Panther 2. That's just Ian. <laughs> Fantastic Four, Black Panther 2, so, Mutants, Captain Marvel 2, yep. all in development. Yep. Something with the mutants. I would Something love to see Marvel's Mary Mutants, the X-Men. Yep. I wonder if their Mutants movie will make it out before New Mutants does. <laughs> new Mutants ain't coming, bro. There ain't going to be no New Mutants. Um, this is all pretty damn exciting stuff. Uh, There's been have, so much exciting stuff dude, here this week. It's we, I, Yeah, we've got to sit down with you and talk about some of the stuff that you're doing. I don't think now is the time because you're just running to another panel. But that is a little segment of this episode where, where Derek and I are excitedly taking on the Marvel news. We're going to have Derek back on the show to talk about some of the things he was actually totally. experiencing. Um, but I'm pretty excited. Uh, this sounds pretty good. Um, wow. 
Yeah. I think they just sold a lot of Disney Plus. I think they have more subscribers already than uh, DC Universe. Yeah, and it sounds like <laughs> with this Hawkeye series, Jeremy Renner's in it. Yeah. And Kate Bishop is going to be introduced. The female oh, Hawkeye. I did not see that. So, That's rad. Um, this is the fun thing about that What If series. It's going to be narrated by The Watcher, voiced by Jeffrey Wright. Oh. <laughs> as long as he's like, you are in the source code. <laughs> Remember that? I do. That's um, such big names they're getting, even for these like limited series and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, so it's, so I'm reading now that the events of WandaVision on yeah. Disney Plus are going to lead directly into Doctor Strange uh, and the Multiverse sense, of Madness. Which makes sense she's supposed to have a big part of it, uh, part of that film as well. Yeah, so damn, both Wanda WandaVision is going to take place after Avengers Endgame, and you're also going to get a grown-up Monica Rambeau in WandaVision. She was the little girl character in Captain Marvel. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as people predicted, Loki, is the series on Marvel Plus, is going to follow the God of Mischief, Mischief after he escapes New York in Endgame. Which I'm excited for, because I feel like he's such an interesting character, and, and Tom Hiddleston does such a good job with him, but I feel like like he's just not had that room to grow, really, because, I mean, almost everywhere he's been, aside from like the early Thor movies, he, he, he just needs to share the screen with a hundred other people, and so I'm really excited to see him as the centerpiece, because I think he's so interesting. Okay, so listen to this. Shang-Chi is actually titled Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And it will feature the real Mandarin. The real Mandarin. To played yeah. by Tony Leung. Oh, no way. Aquafina's in it. Yeah. Of course, we said Simu Liu, Liu, Liu is uh, Shang-Chi. But yeah, damn, yeah. we're going to actually get the real Mandarin. Oh, my gosh. So they're retconning a little bit of Iron Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is going to be cool. Uh... uh Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to include a certain shield. We're guessing it's the shield from the end of Endgame. And here's your Eternals cast. Angelina Jolie as Thena, Selma Hayek as Ajax, Don Lee as Gilgamesh, uh, Sprite as Leo McHugh, Kamel Nanjiani as Kingo, <laughs> Brian Tyree Henry as Festos, Lauren Ridloff as McCary, and Richard Madden. Which is the cast great too. casting yeah. as Icarus. Richard Madden, I believe, was up for an Oscar last year. Uh, Sprite is Liam McHugh, but yeah. Richard Madden, I think, was was nominated for an Oscar last year for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yep, yep, I think so. So that's fucking great casting. <laughs> and um, I love Kamala as well. I can't pronounce his last name, but he, I don't know, stuff like The Big Sick. Like, he's just such a talented guy. And to see him getting to, to see him so like I feel like it's still early in his career um, but to see him get such something so big I think is going to be awesome as well and the uh, Avengers Endgame writers went ahead and confirmed that the alternate timeline Gamora yeah the one that came oh, okay she survived Tony Snap yeah. she's, she's out there uh, that's going to be pretty cool um, <laughs> damn uh, there's a lot of Marvel news there's a lot of Marvel news um, by now you probably read it all on the site but this is Derek where this is the moment I'm excited these are our yeah. fresh thoughts and we're fucking stoked dude Blade Blade I, that I could I would not have seen coming I'm glad yeah Maharshala does it say is it a movie is it a is it a Disney Plus series I think it's a, I think it's a movie okay yeah he, I just want Chris Christopherson back um, <laughs> Geekscape is, we're gonna give you a bit more on this Geekscape SDCC special yeah, we are. which might just be a two-parter I'm guessing <laughs> now uh, we will uh, hang tight we're gonna get Derek's thoughts on his full uh, experience here in a bit and there's been right. so much to see so well yeah definitely we need to talk about it the one of the coolest things about Comic-Con each year is that you get to discover 
cool new stuff that you didn't ever, you'd never expected this stuff to exist, and you come to Comic Con where you get some of the mo most crazy creative stuff going on. And yes, there's the Marvel, there's the DC, there's the big studio stuff um, that you expect, but there's also like the independent stuff, and that's what we get really excited about here on Geekscape is the stories that sometimes they get they have trouble pushing past the big studio pictures and finding an audience. And there's one that we want to help out right now because i got the two filmmakers from it. Uh, I've got Brendan and Greg, and they made a movie called Velocipaster. And I'm not fucking with you, Geeks Gavis. Think about it. Like Velociraptor and Pastor, Velocipaster. And if you read this, uh, if you just read the synopsis, it's psychotic. Um, let me read it to you guys real, real, real fast, and then I'm going to introduce you to, uh, to, to the filmmakers. Um, after losing his parents, a priest travels to China to find meaning in life, but instead inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur. At first, horrified by his new power, a prostitute convinces him to use it to fight crime and ninjas. Um, this movie has been... Uh, Entertainment Weekly said, you'll believe a priest can turn into a dinosaur. Maybe. <laughs> And Sci-Fi Wire said, it's too strange, even by midnight movie standards. And that sounds like a giant fuck yeah for us here at Geekscape. Velocitor Pastor sounds like the shit. No doubt, the folks over at uh, Horror Movie Night, that uh, one of our podcasts, they're going to have a field day with this one. It already sounds like one of my favorite movies. You guys remember when we had the Wolf Cop director on? And this just sounds like it's completely in line with some of that stuff that we've been promoting for all these years. We love movies like this. Um, Brendan, Greg, where did this idea come from? Uh, a typo on my phone, an autocorrect, truly. In 2011, I was, you know, I was texting somebody about dinosaurs the way one does, and it autocorrected from Velociraptor to Velocipaster. And I was like 20, 21 years old, and I was like, it sounds like a fucking movie to me. So <laughs> I stuck with it, made a short film back then for film school, and uh, yeah, eventually we spun it into a feature. Ah, uh, yeah, man. I was working at a, a company in the crowdfunding business when Velocipaster came across their desk, and someone just announced that Velocipaster just submitted for funding, and I caught wind of it, and I happened to know one of the producers. I asked if they would accept audition submissions, and I sent in a tape, and I became the Velocipaster. <laughs> so, uh, so, Greg, you acted as the uh, Velocipaster, and Brendan, you wrote and directed it. I am the Velocipaster, and Brendan wrote and directed this baby. That's fucking hilarious. But that is sometimes how things happen. Um, Geekscape, as you guys are familiar with the film I made for film school, Gay by Dawn, and how that came out of just making jokes, and obviously we're big Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn fans, and we were like, Gay by Dawn. And we are like, well, who would be scared of that? Homophobes. We made the movie, the anti-homophobe movie, Gay by Dawn, and some, a lot of you guys are familiar with that. Um, Velocipaster, sometimes those kind of accidents, they, they just kind of get stuck in your head. Uh, was there any time, Brendan, when you, when you thought about it and you were like, nobody's going to go for this. This is ridiculous. I can't actually ask people to go down this crazy ride with me. Yeah, I, I felt that almost constantly for like three years. <laughs> it was, um, well, no, it's funny is that y you have those moments of doubt, but the strange thing is the more I would pitch it to people, the more they would just laugh. And so after a while, you just sort of started thinking, there's got to be something to it. And it just kept kicking around my head. Like, I, I just couldn't shake this idea. And I, I went to film school. I was like a serious filmmaker. And you still are. I, I know. You still are. Where, where'd you go? I went to School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. And um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it just, 
after a while, I think I just have had to go with my gut feeling, and the film, the idea of the film, just would not leave my head. I just kept thinking up new fun ideas to put in the movie, and after a while, I was like, "Fuck it, let's just be the Velocipaster guys." And it it has been one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. I love this fucking movie. So uh, the short film you were making the short film at school uh, was Greg a part of the short film then? No, he was not. No, it was a completely different cast. It was a completely different everything. Uh, yeah, I was. I am the only connective tissue between the two. And so you make this short uh, thesis, non-thesis, something maybe as a project. You made it as your thesis or your non-thesis? Just a project. Just a project in the middle of film school. And then you were like, oh, it's got a little bit of momentum. I'm guessing the reception was hilarious. Everybody was like, this is outrageous. This is fun. And that obviously helps the bug grow in your brain. And you're like, okay, this... Okay, so far so bad. Let's keep this going. And then the then crowdfunding. And uh, how much were you guys going for and like how like how'd that end up? So we kept asking for somewhere around like twenty K. We figured we could pick up the rest of the budget somewhere else, but if we had that leg up maybe it would help. Uh, we tried to crowdfund two or three times and it always failed. We eventually just found a private investor who kicked in our whole budget and uh, yeah, we never looked back. It was wonderful. Were you able to make this entire movie for 20K or 20K and a little bit of here and there, post and et cetera, et cetera? We made it for 35000 Ridiculous. Geekscapus, when you're, if you're wondering where, where your Gay by Dawn feature film is, it's because Jonathan is a snob. <laughs> and you're like, it's fucking Gay by Dawn, dude. Just go out and make it and fucking tough it. Like, fucking credit to Greg and Brendan. Like, you guys are the real fucking film industry. You guys are the troopers that get celebrated. And you know what? When you see stuff uh, being made, like you all went to see Spider-Man Far From Home. And if you find uh, Eli Roth's produced clown, it's not that different. If you guys are enjoying these Marvel movies like Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, you know, we all know the James Gunn story. And I'm one booth removed i'm one aisle removed from trauma right now and uh and this is how this stuff happens it's not about how cush you can make your dream it's about just making the dream yes well and also it's just with this one in particular it was like i just wanted to make something that sparked joy it was like there's there's it's not a deep film but it's a film that like it's a little deep i'll give myself a tiny Uh bit of credit there's something to it but but like the whole idea was that just like you know, for, we briefly became a political meme in Spain. Uh, it's just part of part of the strange journey of this film. Because I, there's Raptor Jesus. Of you know how there's a yeah. meme, Raptor Jesus? Yeah, it yeah, kind yeah. of latched onto that. We somehow got tied into that. They were having presidential elections. One of their candidates was an ex-priest and far right-wing, almost fascist. And so people started calling him the Velocipastor. And it got linked in with our film. And so it blew up over there. And so... I, ke- I don't speak Spanish, but I kept watching these Spanish language reaction videos, and at a certain point, they just start cracking the fuck up, and it made my day, because it was just completely, it transcended all language barriers to just see these guys in Barcelona, like, losing their shit about our $35,000 movie. Like, it's one of the best feelings in the world. If that guy had won, wait, he didn't win, did he? Okay, if that, if that guy had won, we'd had, what, he had another alt-right you know, world leader, would you have fucking felt guilty? I, I must admit, there was a brief moment where I was like, did I make Pepe the Frog? Like, yeah, like exactly. Did I accidentally create something. I was a little afraid, but I'll, also at the time I was like, 
I mean, I don't think he's going to win, so it's just good publicity. <laughs> <laughs> You're the lightning rod. As Super Action Man says, uh, less alt-right, more all-night, baby. That's what you are about. Um, now, but, Greg, I mean, you, you must have been sitting there being like, I don't want to be the face of this movement. But at the same time, like, as an actor, um, what draws you to I mean, you weren't working as an actor when you saw this. I was I was working as an actor. I was kind of like breaking into film and television uh, and like voiceover and commercial work. And I had worked on something that uh, another, one of the producers of Velocipastor was working on. And that's how I found my way to it. The second I read the audition sides, I was like, fuck yes, I know this. Like, I know this like kind of mix between ham and serious and like, just take it, just fully fucking commit to it. And that's how Brendan and I met. We met in Bryant Park and we just started like talking about the character Doug Jones and his journey from priest to Velocipastor from day one. And it was just a blast. And even from when the movie came out and we did the festival run and we went to Texas Frightmare, like since we linked up with Wild Eye Distribution, it has just been kind of this groundswell that has just been growing. And like we, st- we, we kind of had to like do that on our own, like boots on the ground until we linked up with the distribution company and they really started to help us. Then the release of the new poster, which we're carrying around Comic-Con right now and pe- just watching people's reactions to just the image of the Velocipastor, a man of the claw, and like just seeing their reaction. That's how it all kind of picked up on the internet and like with our DVD release on August 13th, it's really just like starting to roll, yeah, now. And it's, it's really fun and exciting. It's been a while. I love you guys. <laughs> I love you guys. Um, so August 13th, you guys can order it off of, I'm guessing you Google Velocipastor. Your distributor's name is? I'm sorry? Your distributor's name is? Wild Eye Entertainment. Wild Eye Entertainment. I, I'm guessing you guys are going to have a little bit of a presence. If you just Google Velocipastor oh, Geekscapist, yeah. you'll find a place to get the DVD. There will, I'm guessing, be a digital release as well yes. yeah. for, all, for, for you guys who only do digital on your computers and on your PS4s and all that stuff. I like owning the DVD, especially when you have fa- friends over and they're like, what the fuck is Velocipastor? That's the way it goes. Um, you said that this is that there may be elements that are serious, but there's really just wanted to make a, f- a fun movie that brings joy. Had there been people beyond the Pepe the Frog contingent in Spain that see into this and they start to see things that you'd never intended? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and it's so funny because... Um, most people when they see the film really fucking love it including like I am not a religious person neither is Greg but we uh, when we were at Texas one of the biggest fans there was a real pastor a guy named JP one of the coolest dudes I've ever fucking met and he just loved the film deeply religious guy and he was just like he got the fact that it was a joke we're, we're, it's, like I said, we're here to have fun. We're here to have a good time with it. It's just a joke machine. It's not a deep comment on the Catholic Church or anything. But there are the occasional people that just, by basic virtue of the subject matter, will just interact with it weird. And honestly, I'm very happy to report that they are a very small uh, contingent of the people who have actually seen it. So it's, it's wild. You can't control how people will react. You can only control the film you make. And, and Greg... Let's say this thing comes out. It does gangbusters. He's got a whole cult following. Velocipastor 2. Are you up? I'm not just up. I am fully down. We're already talking about it. We drove here. We bombed here this morning at... Brendan got to my apartment at 6 a.m. in Los Angeles, and we were like, let's fucking roll. We got a stack full of cards. Let's just, like, interact with people. And the whole time, we're bombing down to Brendan's playlist, his... Comic-Con playlist and talk in Velocipastor 2. So, yeah. yeah. 
the Comic Con playlist had a lot of the Velocipaster Two playlist married into it. So <laughs> we got to hook you up with Wolf Cop. Veloci- I mean, I think there should be movies. There should be movies Velocipaster versus Wolf Cop and shit like that. Like we got to do a couple of these versus movies. Bring back the the old school monster double feature like that. Frankenstein versus Wolfman, man. Let's do it. It's I don't, it, it's clear that Universal couldn't have been trusted with that <laughs> in their dark universe stuff. It's, I mean, sorry, sorry, Universal, but you know that 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 restart to the Marvel to the MonsterVerse wasn't really didn't really happen. But you know what? Trusting these boys, they know how to make these things fun again, and uh, yeah, let's work on that. Um, Love you guys. Thanks for coming on Geekscape and talking about it. We're going to do this again soon so for sure. Uh, Geekscape's got your back. You. All right. So, uh, Brandon Greg, Velocipaster Geekscape is August 13th. I can't stop shaking these guys' ha- hands enough because I'm super stoked to have that this movie exists. We'll, we're going to get back to you guys from the Comic Con floor. Keep listening. Geekscape is I'm here with another Geekscape contributor. This is Stephen Bay, one of our hosts of our podcasts. He's one of the uh, writers on the website. He's here covering some press where uh, when Derek is completely uh, selling himself out for free food at one of the major installations and trying to kiss up to uh, some of the shows that won't be here next year, Steven's out doing the big groundwork of actually seeing what the floor is all about. Maybe he's sitting in panels. Maybe he's waiting in line to try and see the Dark Crystal. uh, Five times. Five times and not getting in. Uh, Steven is the guy really putting in the work while... Derek can't even be seen rubbing shoulders with the hoi polloi. Uh, this man yeah. is here in the trenches. See, instead of hanging out with Orlando Bloom like Derek over here, I, I actually go out and see everyone and, and see bring in the good news. Stephen Bay is the man of the people. Derek is just really, really. He, I don't know what he's. I don't know what he I is mean, anymore. He, he's hitting a low mark. He was hanging out with Orlando Bloom. I don't even know who he is anymore. Exactly. Uh, so. That being said, since you're the guy who's been experiencing the con, like, what have you noticed? What's your thing? It is packed, but I also noticed one thing that's really great about San Diego is they completely accept... You're good, you're good. They completely accept the entire Comic-Con. They embrace it. Like, all these restaurants that are part of it, you see all these pop-up shops. Uh, When in Chicago with, like, C2E2 and the Comic-Con and everything, it's just, like, really isolated. But San Diego's entire city just gives it a big old hug. Yeah, it really is nerd spring break. Yeah, it's in nerd the best Mardi way. Gras. Nerd, nerd Mardi Gras, Gras, nerd spring break, in the best way. Um, you're overwhelmed. Yeah, it's completely. But, <laughs> but it's still so much fun because there's so much eye candy. And, you know, I understand why people just stop in the middle of the road or in the middle of an aisle and just, like, gawk at things. I get it. It gets annoying, but... This place just overwhelms you with all the visuals. Eye candy everywhere. I was just contemplating whether or not we shoot like a safety video for next year. I don't know how we would do it, do it now that the con is almost over. But uh, while the con is going on, taking a camera and shooting like how to Comic Con because stopping in the middle of the aisle yeah, is a great way to have somebody run into the back of you because we're so yeah. packed in here and everybody's trying to move at a moderate pace. Like we're not. It's shuffling, but it's shuffling quick to get to the next thing, and everybody's going to a different thing. Uh, If you want to stop and look at something, please step to the side. I actually think a safety video would be great. Yeah. I mean, even if people didn't listen to what we have to say, at least they'd watch it. Yeah, I think we could make a really funny. (laughs) I think we could make a really funny safety video 
Uh, but well, yeah. with phones now, it's amazing. They will stop to text in the middle of it. That's the one that annoys me the most. Or they're watching videos. Or videos. Right. They're watching a trailer as they're walking on the floor. Yeah. How many times have you seen somebody walking diagonally where they're looking to the left or right or they're looking straight up and they're still walking straight? Yeah, and they just bump into something. They run into you, they run, yeah. you run into them, they're diagonally walking into your uh, trajectory. Um, yeah, there there should be a hazard avoidance video, definitely a safety video. Maybe Geeks Gable will start working on that next year because I think we definitely need it. Uh, especially when people are getting hit by cars and things like that are going on at past Comic Cons. We just want to make people, make sure that people are having fun and, and being safe. Um, okay, so did you get into anything? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got into a few things. <laughs> like, one of the cool things that I got into was, like, well, I mean, Weta's letting everyone in there. But, like, the Weta workshop, just to see all the stuff that they've worked on that I had no idea. And that was incredible. And I also, at the Ray Harryhausen panel, got to sit by two Weta workshop people. Uh-huh. And they just told me all kinds of, like, their past experience working on... You know, whatever have it. Uh, one guy, he owned his own company beforehand, and he did the intro video. To he built out one of the uh, diagrams for the intro video of the Lego Movie before Wait, he was canned. Explain that to me again. Uh, he did the Lego Movie. Uh, you know how it was all done inside CGI and everything. They actually did an entire. Um, Lego build. Lego build of it for them to use as reference. And then he got canned from that, and now he works for Weta. Yeah, his his uh, company got canned from it afterwards. So then he got a job at Weta. Wow. Yeah, that was incredible. And the Ray Harryhausen like lost movies that we were at. That's nuts. I mean, and there actually were younger people there. I couldn't believe it. I thought it would just be a bunch of old white people who appreciate Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, oh yeah. I mean. Like my entry to Ray Harryhausen, and we love Ray Harryhausen, yeah. was like Jason the Argonauts, and of course um, the Harry Hamlin movie, uh, um, Clash of the Titans. Yeah, Clash the original of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. Yeah, um, not the not the Sam Worthington Clash of the Titans. So, um, talk to me. Uh, I always wanted to call your, and I said this to Matt. I always. Uh, there's Matt only talking to girls that come by the booth. That's the only thing he does. He doesn't actually talk to people who come by the booth. He only talks to women who come by the booth. And he then ignores he does, the guys. And then he doesn't. He, he ignores guys who may be wanting to purchase a T-shirt or come by the uh, or subscribe to the podcast. But he he shoots his shot and then he never gets a phone number. Um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I've given up having to work on that. But I do remind him, please, dude, get his number. They may live in another part of the country. Okay. How many numbers so? do you have of the people within the five block radius you live? Well, just get a plane ticket, Matt. Stop being lazy. I think he's gotten plane tickets before. Oh, jeez. I was joking, Matt. Don't get plane tickets. He's turned it into his 50 states thing. Um, no, I, uh, anyway. Uh, on the con, yes. uh, I always want to call your podcast Osmosis Jones. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can go with Analog Jones. Yeah. Or Jonesers, whatever you want. But you do a podcast for Gamescape called Analog Jones, where you only watch VHS movies. Yes. Why? Uh, Why? Because we are sick individuals. We have problems, and the problem is we still collect VHS tapes. You came home from, from the Scream Factory panel yeah. last night with a VHS tape. Yeah, I, but that was from actually Trauma. Oh, really? Yeah. Because Trauma is the only place here that still has VHSs. What do you love about VHS? 
Uh, the aesthetic one, and we love the old promos. We're always looking for that diamond in the rough, or you know, even a movie that we had no idea existed. That's a blast, and why has no one heard of this? Like or Eye of brutal. the Tiger, right? With Gary Busey. This is back when Busey was still, you know, like a good-looking guy. He was in coming shape. off his Oscar, yeah, his like, Oscar nomination for Buddy Holly, and he looked fantastic, and he was trying. You know, he wasn't overacting. He wasn't just bogarting the mic the whole time. Um, he was a good-looking guy, and the film is fun. I have the tiger. Yeah, it's old stuntmen, you know, doing stuff that they couldn't get away with nowadays. Mm-hmm. Blowing up jeeps with stuntmen inside of them. Now, what about the bad stuff on VHS? Because I have an entire uh, storage unit yeah, full of that stuff. There's a lot of that. Uh, there's also a lot of things that we thought were really good. And then we put them in, and they're not. Oh, you remember a movie as being better than it was. I think we're going to have a podcast added to our network that is entirely that. Our friend Word Burglar does a podcast where he's like, let's watch it again. And you figure out whether or not that movie you loved from your childhood was any good. Well, one of the ones that we found was Lost in Space. It came out in, like, 98. And I that wasn't good that, then. No, but as a kid, I thought it was good. The I, Matt LeBlanc yeah, one? Yeah, it's terrible. Um, I was in college when that came out. Yeah. <laughs> so I had the I had the benefit of having a fully formed mind yeah, yeah. at that point. We did not. Uh, and, man, putting that in, it was just, it's so bad. There's so many directions that film takes. And uh, the guy who plays Moriarty from uh, Sherlock Holmes is in it. I forget his name. Mm-hmm. But he is just the worst grown-up version. <laughs> like, just can't stand him. Or, well, I mean, the kid was whiny that he was playing. Okay. So maybe he was supposed to be whiny. I don't know. He's just like, what's wrong, Dad? Why don't you love me? <laughs> but it's worth a watch just to see how bad it is? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those films where one time. Give it one view. That's all you need. The Matt LeBlanc. Yeah. 1998 Lost in Space. constantly trying. He's thirsty in that movie. He is trying to bang Heather um, Graham so bad. Oh, Heather Graham's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Young, was, young Heather Graham. A couple years probably right after Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights was yeah. 97. Okay, so um, Comic-Con. Your first time at Comic-Con, what are you taking away with, from it? Oh, it's a blast. It's exhausting. It's fun. You should come. But man, get ready to uh, crash at the end of the night. At least yeah. I did. I, I got 13 miles in yesterday. You were walking 13 miles? 13 miles, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. On your Fitbit. Is that yep. a Fitbit? Yeah, right there. And it told you 13 miles. Yep, today I'm at 4,900 steps already. So if you, so you're leaving today. If you have like a highlight from the con, what do you think it is? Highlight of the con. Besides uh, walking 13 miles. <laughs> uh, it's meeting creators. Honestly, it's one of these things that you can only do, really, if you come to a con or maybe you live in L.A., but even still in L.A., you, you know, they're not going to be wearing a badge saying who they are. And Chicago isn't devoid of creative people. No, but it's there's nowhere near as many, and uh, the accessibility, I think, in Chicago, you just don't have it. Uh, a lot of their Q&As, they get in, they get out. Right. Because they're not from there. They're not... Yeah, know, or they're going to get deep dish pizza. You're right. In LA, they definitely exist there, and there's a high concentration of them. Yes. You can see them working at every Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, they're really good in front of the camera, and they're great bar- baristas. So. They're really good baristas. Oh man, that is 
That is depressingly close to home. Um, so, so come on to Geekscape. Come we'll on to Geekscape. We'll do an interview, and then I got to go to work. Uh, so, Stephen, we've loved having you. Enjoy your VHS tapes, please. Be kind and rewind them. Um, Geekscape, you can listen to uh, Stephen every week or so. Every week. Yeah. Every on, week. on Analog Jones, what they do is they take two movies, they have a, a relative theme, and they watch them. Yeah, that's Talk what we've them. turned into. Is like now we're doing like relative movies. Yeah. Sometimes we pick something random, and it, you get a Dolly Parton movie. If the Geekscapers wanted to download like the perfect episode that epitomizes Analog Jones, like what would that be? Get Eye of the Tiger. Gary Busey came out December 2018. That's 2018. Yeah, just six months ago. That is the episode where I'm like. Oh, the episode. I was yeah. like, that movie did not come out in 2018. No, no, that movie came out. I don't know. 80. Yeah. 86. Six, something like that. Okay. If that's like the perfect episode to start. Or maybe Bill and Ted. Okay. Bill and Ted is definitely a good yeah. gateway drug. We're all familiar with it. And that's, it's, um, what was the question? We have another one? No, that that's the the episode of the Geekscapers are now like, hey, I want to go download yeah, Analog Bill Jones. Bill and Ted be the one or Gary Busey, Eye of the Tiger. Okay. We'll see you online, dude. Thanks all for right. coming to Comic-Con. Thank you for having me. Dude, and you're part of the family. Yeah. I just the, I the described family that lives in a van. Yeah, do well, I describe <laughs> Geekscape as like a really shitty version of Fast and Furious, but it's called Slow and Delirious or something? <laughs> and we're like, it's about family. It's about a bunch of rusty transformer vans. Yeah, we're we a family in. now. Like it or not. Thanks, man. All right, thank you. Do, uh, do you have a Bloodsport T-shirt on? I do have a Bloodsport T-shirt on. Thank you. Hey, Geekscape, I'm here with a rock and roll. Hall of Famer, Daryl McDaniels from Run DMC. He's got DMC. That's Daryl makes comics. Yes. You make comics like? Yes. Oh, I make rock. DMC and a place to be, and Daryl makes comics just like Stanley. <laughs> and you've been our guest here at the Geekscape booth. It's been fun having you, yes, dude. Yes, thank you. It's been so much fun having you guys signing autographs, selling books. Yeah, um, hanging out at the booth. It's, 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 it's great. So... I know from doing a panel with you years ago, and I, I think that panel is available on the feed, Geekscapist, if you go oh, back and hunt for it. But you told the story about growing up with comics and how yes. comics were like your safe haven from where yes. you grew up. The, What's was, the story there? The comic books was the only world that I felt part of, accepted. Um, everything was perfect for me. Um, you know, I grew up getting bullied, teased, and picked on, like most kids. So this universe that we're in right now was kind of traumatic and horrible, scary, and I didn't really want to be here. So I don't know what would have happened without those comic books. I can relate to Peter Parker. I can relate to Tony Stark. I can relate to Batman, Bruce Wayne. You know what I'm saying? I can relate to... Wait, um, he was a rich white dude. Huh? Bruce, Bruce was... <laughs> no, but I could, I could relate, and I didn't know at the time. I could He's relate. so rich. Yeah, but, but the... the, the, the um, the struggle that the he goes through. The struggle right. that he He's, goes through. His was psychic. His was like psychological. His psychological struggles, there was a connection there for me because it wasn't until later though, when I was 35 years old, I found out that I was adopted. So a lot of things that Bruce, the way Bruce carried himself by losing your parents or not having that part of your identity, I can relate to Bruce Wayne, Peter Parker, both and raised, even Superman. And none of them were raised by their actual parents. Yeah, exactly. I didn't find that out till later 
but then I understood how connected I was to these comic book characters. The, the people who raised you. you Byford, son of Byford, brother of Al. Banners my mother and runs my pal. It's McDaniels, not McDonald's. These rhymes are Daryl's, those burgers are Ronald's. I ran down my family tree. My mother, my father, my brother, and me. That was 1986. I didn't rhyme about my money, my fortune, my right. fame. I rhymed about the most important thing to but, me at that but time. But this, this is like a psychological, subconscious thing. Did you think they were your parents? Yes, I knew I was a McDaniels. And suddenly, but there was this under... Then I find out in 93 that, that I'm not. It was devastating. But it's this psychological undercurrent that was going on subconsciously. That's what my therapist said. That's my insane. therapist said that, yeah. It, was, it, 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 it got into your art. It got into what art you took in. Yep. It shaped you even though you were not conscious of it the entire time. Not even time. then. It, it, it was like, you know, Riggs Morales, who's my partner, went to comic book when I first met him. First thing he said to me, yo, D, I always liked you the best out the group. You was like my superhero. You know what I'm saying? My old man at Daniels transforms into the devastating mic controller. So now you've got this comic book series where yep. literally you go through a transformation and become a superhero. Exactly. I, I, in this world, I was a student who discovered I had hip-hop and rock and roll powers. In the, in the comic book, is the alternate universe. I'm a teacher who discovers I have superpowers. Um, let's talk about your book. Yes. You've got a book out that Thank says, you. I mean, look at this thing. Um, oh, that Gabus. Oh. No, I mean, your comic is great. Book. And Geeks gave us. For sure, go pick up the DMC yeah, comics. You guys can order it online. Did I ever give you one? Get one of those Okay, you. I'm going to get one. one. But, but Daryl has this book, 10 Ways Not to Commit Suicide. And this is what we're going through. And I really do believe that suicide and mental depression, and we've talked a lot about it a lot here yep. on Geekscape, it is, the, it is our plague. It is what our generation is fighting through. Yes. It is... The machismo, the the false bravado, all this stuff. Everybody's fronting. Everybody's fronting, yeah. but, but nobody really understands that true vulnerability. Like that's strength. True strength is exactly. your vulnerability. No, no, hundred percent. What led you to write ten ways not to commit suicide? Well, I found out for me what happened. I woke up one day. This was 1993. Uh, Pete Rock from the infamous P Rock and Seal Smooth. P Rock produced a song for us called Down with the King. That song did for Run DMC what people say Walk This Way did for Aerosmith. It Aerosmith, brought us back. And Aerosmith supposedly was gone before. It was gone, so right. So they were like that, that band that, from the 70s. Yeah, Steve and Tyler, Andrew Perry both say that, but the publicists and the label won't, but it's just business. So in 93, I'm Down With The King comes out, we're back on the charts, we're back on the tour, we're back getting, we was getting 80s money. Now we're relevant in the 90s, the paid days went through the sky for these new guys. So we get in the 90s payday, so you would think I would be happy and celebrating. After Down With The King Drop, I wanted to kill myself. Why is that? I, as soon as Down With The King Drop and everything that happened in the 80s started happening in the 90s, I sat there and there was this void in me. I'm Daryl McDaniels, Byford and Banners, my mother runs my friend, Jay's my friend. We did this. I tried to sum up my whole life. I went to St. John's University, I was a student, I summed up my whole thing and something was missing. And that void was very painful because it made me uncomfortable. It, it, it didn't hurt pain, but it was a, it was, I didn't want to live with this no more. Were you like, this was it? Is this it? Yeah, I thought it was just put here to be the devastating mind controller, king of rock dude that made Adidas and walked this way. And so what, That wasn't yeah. fulfilling enough. It was the universe, my existence, telling me, oh, you have no idea, young man. So that feeling made me uncomfortable. I wanted to kill myself before I wanted to leave this earth. I said, oh, 
I kill myself and die now, people know the DMC story. You can look it up and see what Run and DJ did as a group. But nobody knows the little boy Daryl. I'm no different from any of all these other little kids on the face of the earth. So I just wanted to write, not this book, this other book that I wrote. Right. Hey, I'm Daryl McDaniels from the groundbreaking rap group Run DMC, first to go gold, first to go platinum, first on the cover on a stone, first on MTV, first, all of that stuff. But I'm really just Daryl McDaniels, born May 31st, 1964. Oh, I know my birthday, true story. But I don't know no details about it, so I called my mother up. Yeah. I didn't say, Mom, I'm about to kill myself, I need to notice. I just said, Mom, I'm writing this book. I just need to know three things about the day I was born. How much I weighed, what time I was born, what hospital. She told me. I love you, I love you, hung up the phone. An hour goes by, the phone rings, it's my mother and father. Oh no. We have something else to tell you. Okay, what is it? I'm thinking she's just gonna say, well, it was a power outage in the hospital and they still gave birth to you. So they hit me with, well, you was a month old when we brought you home and you're adopted, but we love you, bye. Click. Because if a, my brother, who's their biological son, said, D, don't you know if you ever would have asked, would have never, then they took it to the grave. So that right there just destroyed the void, the depression, and now realizing I'm not Bifin and Bannis, totally destroyed everything. I was an alcoholic, suicide, and mother, physical wreck for, from 90, from 97, see, 93 to 97, was the void and I want to kill myself. Yeah. 97, I received a revelation. Now I'm really going to kill myself. But then the peace came over me. Wow, if it wasn't for Byford and Banner, I don't know where I would have been. Right. So I had to realize this, this was meant to be, but there's this, 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 this mystery now. I know what the word adoption means. That means there's this other man, a lady that got me or this and that. So that right there made me say, okay, do you get it together? To make you understand this better, go to rehab. Stop drinking. So that was my mission. I went to rehab to stop drinking, but then I discovered this other thing called therapy. It's the best. The it's most the best. gangster thing, better than any rhyme, better than any of your paraditas. It was in rehab. I discovered this thing called therapy, which made me understand it's okay to have problems and admit that you're weak and to be sad and cry. It's okay not to be okay. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So when I when I went to therapy, I came out of therapy, and through that whole transition from like 93 all the way up to through the 2000s, nobody had seen me. So they would say, yo, we always see Run on Run's house because Run was on TV for 10 yeah. years. And everybody said every year they was waiting for DMC to walk on Run's house and I never showed up. They thought it because we had a beef. I said, no. The reason why I wasn't on Run House because I was in rehab, I was in therapy. The people I would say that to totally changed. What are you talking about, man? You're I mean, you're not supposed to admit that. You're not supposed yeah. to admit that. Yeah, I'd be like, yo, I was an alcoholic, suicidal, metaphysical wreck who was depressed, who had suicidal thoughts, who wanted to kill himself, that found out he was adopted at age 35. I went to therapy rehab and I went to go to therapy now. Yo, DMC, man, could you come talk to my father because, yo, DMC, I have a seven-year-old daughter. Can you talk? I'm talking about white people, black. Now you All of these people had the same thing going on. So after about the 300th time I went and spoke to somebody, somebody said, D, you should write a book. And I said, no, nah, I don't want to capitalize off this. He said, no, don't look at it like that. With a book, you could touch a lot of people without even being there. 
So the reason why I did this book called 10 Ways Not to Commit Suicide is because I was where Kurt Cobain was at. Then Chester killed himself on Chris Cornell's birthday because they were good from Lincoln Park. I met Park. Chris Cornell. I shook his hand. And I it, felt yeah. something when I met him. And then Chester from Lincoln Park. And then, yeah. yes. So, and even more, my wife's best friend's best friend's son, 12-year-old, go hang himself. So I realized that there were so many of us afraid. I came to this conclusion. If you don't admit how you feel, whether good or bad, you never heal. We celebrate people, say, I feel like a million bucks today. I want to take on the world. I'm clapping. I'm feeling a little depressed. Get away from me, weirdo. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a person saying, yo, I feel like killing myself. What's been wrong is the way this world has been reacting to that person since this world has been born. It's a feeling. I can't tell you, and I make people understand this. They think it's some weird mental health issues or something to be ashamed, the whole stigma with it. I can't tell you right now to not feel cold if it's cold. Right. I'll give you a coat. I'll turn the heat up. I can't tell you not to feel hot. I'll turn the AC on. I can't tell you right now, don't feel hungry. That's what people do to you when you have yeah. a mental health issue. Or everybody around me was like, DMC, how the hell are you going to feel depressed? You're DMC. Can you write this and that? I felt like killing myself. Right. Just like I feel happy. It's a feeling. Unless you admit how you feel, good or bad, you never heal. So for me, the reason why I wrote the book is everybody is going to something and I don't want them to be ashamed. I don't care what it is. Anxiety, um, um, substance abuse, alcoholism, oxycodone, meth, sex, uh, um, sex fiends, gambling fiends. And erects, I don't care what it is. Comic book addiction. Comic book addiction, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm living proof that you can beat and defeat whatever you're struggling against. Right. If, if that's my place, and I understand what people need to hear is this. If you remove guilt and shame, you remove the pain. You don't right. remove the situation, you're still no. going to have it. But don't feel guilty and don't be ashamed about feeling the way you're feeling because it's all right. And look, the mighty king of rock had anxiety, alcoholism, depression, and suicidal thoughts. And do you read like Brene Brown and, and authors no, like that? No, who's that? You Brene, tell me who that? Oh, my God. I, I discovered something. Oh, my God. Brene Brown, she has this Netflix special you can watch. And she writes about shame. What's her name? Brene Brown. Brene Brown. You just gave me And over. she's all, I mean, her Netflix special maybe isn't a your toe going into the pool, but no, she has, she, she's a researcher. And researchers are like, shame is a dead end. Yeah, and, 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 and she was like, no, I'm going to go into shame and I'm going to see what the, because addiction is tied into it. Vulnerability is uh, tied yep. into it. And she went Anxiety, right at shame. All of she that. writes about shame. That's crazy. And she's like, guilt is just, guilt means that you have a value system and that you did wrong and you feel guilty about it. Right. Shame Man. is something you carry that you don't need to carry. Shame is ego. Shame is carrying something. Is, is when I went to um, rehab and therapy, when I came out of therapy, I was, um, I was diagnosed with suppressed emotions. Yeah. My therapist said this, your whole life, D, what you would do. The first question they asked me when I went into therapy was, D, during your career with Run DMC, did anybody ever do anything to make you mad? Nah. Hold up, Run J, Russell, the right, never did anything, because I'm an easygoing guy. Nah. He took his glasses off, he took his doctor robe off, he put his little pin pad down, and he looked me in the eye and he said, you're a goddamn motherfucking liar. It shot through me like 
gamma rays to Bruce Banner, and I started going, 1985, <laughs> things would happen around yeah. me, and I wouldn't speak up. He said, you internalize it. He said, whatever like, they like you, you know, I didn't like the way you do that. It's okay to do that. Yeah. So I suppressed it by drinking. But that made it worse because when the high wall off, it was still there. Now you're a dope But I've addict. been doing, ah, exactly. Now you're chasing a dope hit. Yep, exactly. It's all the same, different situations. Just can, like you, that the, same thing. Is, it can be social media. It can be trying to get likes. It can be trying to get approval. Like that gives you a little dopamine I kick. didn't want to not be the easygoing guy. I wanted to do everything Running Jay said so they wouldn't be mad at me. And that's codependency. I wanted to be accepted. And now they, now you're You know you're, what I'm saying? Yeah, I, no. I can't fail. It's okay to fail. It, no, failure is how you get up. You know what I'm saying? Failure, listen, um, uh, failure is feedback. Right. Have you heard that? Failure People, is feedback. No, I heard that this week and I was like, holy shit. A hundred percent. Because this was crazy. It got to the point where I was getting hit records. Now for somebody else's benefit, they were telling me, D, you need to have a hit record. No, and not. I started believing. No, I don't. Yeah. You know, you know. Uh, if I don't have no. a hit record, I'm going to make another no, one. That's your, what you just gave but me I is felt, yours. I, I fed into I that. get it. I get it. And I felt ashamed if I don't live up to their expectations. No. Well, this is so a, that's why I wrote the book because I noticed 99% of the time when I would say I'm an alcoholic, I'm suicidal, I'm depressed, I'm adopted or foster kid, 99.9% of the time somebody would say, oh my God, me too. If I didn't get a me too, I would get my mother, my father. Yeah, people. no, everybody. This is our no plague. somebody. No, everybody though. This is what we. This is our collective That's plague, plague. Is what that we're going through. All the other shit. And it's that, killing me, people. Yep. It's killing people or causing people to feel shame, and they're going to eliminate the threat to their shame, and they're going to put a gun. I'm and sick and this tired is our, of the pain and the hurt. I do this for Chester, Chris, and Kurt. Death is appealing. With death, I flirt. I tell you how I feel and you think I'm a jerk. I'm not bugging, I'm struggling. All this guzzling is puzzling. So I stop hanging with Jack and Jim. Jack, Jack Daniels and Jim Bean. So I can fight this battle so we all can win. There you go. I'm and sorry. Talking I, about it is so beautiful. That is, I mean, Geekscapist, yes, there's a comic bug. Please go to DMC, uh, Google, look up DMC Comics and pick up the book. And but, have uh, fun. But the real, but the, I want to make, I want to make a podcast that is real shit. For sure, oh for sure, you know, it's for sure. Uh, that's real. That's keeping it real. That's what we because do. Like you say, like we said in the beginning, everybody fronting. No, all no. the macho this and that. No, you know, even when I go to, I work with a lot of foster kids, and I go into these agencies and the counselors and the, and the guidance counselors and all that. They always say, watch out for him or watch out for her. No, that's the first person I want to speak to. Hell yeah! I gotta tell some dude. You know, all this, it's okay to cry, man. No, hugs, not fists. I cried my ass off. People said, yeah. really, DMC? Like, yeah. yeah, I cried my yeah. ass off, man. Like, it's not weird. Like you said, it's not your weird. It's your strength. That's right. It's Vulnerability powerful. is strength. Yep. Um, Geekscape us. We love you, Daryl. Thank you. Thank you. Anything you need. Geekscape. Not a pause, not a plate, not a cut is late. <laughs> Geekscape. Geekscape us. Derek is back here. Uh, at the Comic Con booth, and uh, we are talking about not the Marvel presentation, <laughs> which is what a lot of people were talking about. We talked about just now on the podcast. Um, we're still super all, uh, excited about all that. But Derek has been out at the activations, experiencing them. He's been watching episodes of stuff, and now he's on the Geekscape podcast. If you like what Ge Derek's about to say, please 
download his new podcast, Xbox Game Passengers, uh, and that is my favorite video game podcast. It's my <laughs> only video game podcast it's, that I listen to. I'm glad that it's I don't even a, own an Xbox. No, no. And I feel like well, a lot of the stuff that we play is multi-platform, so you don't really need to. But that show's been super fun to do, and. Uh, yeah, I just love the random aspect of it. I've always been the kind of person that, like, new games come out all the time, and so I'm always very quickly moving on, and so to develop a show where it's like, oh, I have to play something You're else forced. every week, and I don't even have to choose what I'm playing. It's literally, I hit a button, it spits out a random game, that's what we're playing. Like, I don't know, it's just a really fun, it's just a really fun way of doing things, and I think that we've had some great episodes so far, so. Okay, so talk to me. What have you experienced here at the con besides skipping dinner with us every time? I told <laughs> you guys. Not, I have I said been to more dinners than I, I have di- skipped dinners. I said team dinners are mandatory. Yeah. And you were but like. But I was already. I already no, had these things before that conversation happened. Is what I'm gonna say is my excuse. Um, we've, I'm kidding. Yeah, we've had some dinners. No, it's it's been a really good convention. It's been a really interesting year. I feel like it's. I don't know. Every year, I feel like it feels busier and busier and busier on the floor, um, you know, to, to the point where even certain exclusives and stuff like that that I've tried to get in previous years, like, haven't had to try to get, haven't had to try too hard for them, and, and this year it feels like totally different. Like the Mondos. Like the Mondos. Mondo, they actually had to start a ticketing system this year, so essentially if you are not an exhibitor already in the hall, when the hall opens, you're not getting one of those tickets for the most part. So I did still manage to get a few of those posters, which is really, it's usually one of the only things I really buy here, just because living up in Canada, the shipping and the duty makes a lot of this stuff prohibitively expensive. Um, and so here it's a bit more manageable, because it's just a poster, and I can throw it in a tube in my suitcase and, and, and take it home. You don't ship the tube? No, no, I, I like the, our, the suitcase that we have is big enough that, that I can put a poster tube diagonally into it. Uh, and so I don't have to worry about shipping it or anything like that, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I had to rely on the kindness of others in line to get some of the posters this year, but uh, I, I'm super thankful to those people because otherwise I would go home with a more full wallet but a less full heart. So. so tell me about some of the exclusives you didn't get, namely this morning. Yeah, yeah. So the last few days, there's is this it, really I cool mean, is this thing the holy grail of Comic-Con? It's the, honestly, it seems that way. Like, there, so there's this uh, WWE slash Mattel Elite Collection Macho Man Randy Savage Slim Jim that was a lot of random words mashed together uh, Slim Jim collection figure and it's just like this hilarious Macho Man and I didn't even watch wrestling at that time I don't know why I like I feel like I need this I need this figure I don't know I don't know why I don't know why I care but uh, he's holding some Slim Jims and the box is just a Slim Jim box and it says Macho Man on it you can't even actually see the figure from there but it like rips around like a Slim Jim would as well I just feel like it's super funny and creative and it's inexpensive it's, it's selling for like $20 at the show but each and every day like yesterday for instance yesterday I, I essentially ran into the hall as soon as they would let let people in um, line was already capped instantly and then by about 10 minutes later the figure was sold out for the day um, today I managed to get in a little bit earlier and uh, uh, the, the line was filled with exhibitors you know by the by nine o'clock and one second the line was filled with exhibitors and uh, <laughs> And I was about 20, 30 people in line, sold out for the show before that even happened. So. Now, what's the... Pr- I mean, I don't think exhibitors are supposed to sell to exhibitors. Yeah, I don't... Like, there's, a, there's a rule yeah, that you're not supposed to sell I don't, to exhibitors. But I feel like a lot of... A lot, maybe it's just today, but even looking at, like, Mondo the other day. Mondo, like, when I would run there and fail to get a ticket and then walk through the lineup, like, the whole line was just filled with exhibitors. So I think that it's... Like, I don't know that everyone adheres to those rules, 
um, which I think that like I like I think that they should because it's like like I feel you know standing in line today at the Mattel booth I'm, I'm standing there's an exhibitor in front of me and he's telling me how he's got or not telling me but he's talking to some other guy in line about how he's got 25 of these figures up on eBay right now type thing and it's like those I mean making these things exclusive for the show is you know having show exclusives is cool but it's like it sucks when it's like the people that are going to the show and would just love one of these for themselves can't even get it because someone wants to just make tons of money off of them yeah. type thing right I don't think San Diego should be selling I don't think exhibitors should be selling especially those those yeah. exclusive th- uh, things to exhibitors I think that's really messed up totally yeah yeah because again they like it there's that you know even like an artist that I follow that I have several amazing screen prints of Daniel Danger he actually posted on Twitter the other night that um, so they did they did a really really cool it print for Mondo this year and he actually took some of them and uh, he, he has a booth here at the show as well and he basically tweeted out that like hey you know tomorrow I'm going to have a really limited number of these prints at my booth do not show up if you're an exhibitor I will not sell them to exhibitors like you've had a two day head start at this point and so so it's crazy when the people that are creating this stuff you know <laughs> has to take it back from the people that are actually exhibiting them um, just so that like regular attendees can even get a chance to get it so so tell me about some of the stuff that you witnessed yeah yes because that, that was definitely not a success story <laughs> so in terms of success stories like there is I, I, I feel like I am I really love the spectacle of San Diego Comic-Con and this is my seventh year in a row and that spectacle like it you know I'm, I'm never less interested like it's always I'm always so excited to see you know the offset events are always so cool and it just is baffling how much money these companies will put into essentially building buildings or building a structure that is going to be torn down five days later and um, you know there's always some really standout ones I think this year probably the coolest activation offsite event was the Amazon Prime video experience uh-huh. um, they are really showing off three new series this year or, or one returning series but they've got um, essentially this huge area with this like huge kind of tower that they have performances on every couple of hours who's performing uh, like like it, it's all kind of like this interactive theater stuff so they would have like like essentially characters from the worlds of The Boys or The Expanse or Carnival Row um, just kind of doing you know so they had at one point they had for The Boys they had a uh, uh, like a like an anti-soup like support group and so it was all these people up there talking about how soups had wronged them and it's from you know like from from someone's house burning down because the soup like went up to uh, save a cat from a tree and the tree caught on fire because he's moving too fast and, and all that sort of thing so like to a soup giving like their mom herpes or something like that Whoa. So, yeah like they're it, just just really fun really interesting stuff but they also had several activations for the shows as well so you kind of wait in line for a bit and then go through a 10 to 15 minute like experience for each of these shows and so the boys for instance that one was probably the most interactive and you are essentially in the electronic shop that is featured uh, at the beginning of the series and the book and and you are tasked with finding out what happened to Huey and so the people in the room are you're, you're searching for clues as to what might have happened and where he might have gone and everything like that and there's actually actors planted among you as well because one of them gets stabbed at some point during and you the, think that somebody just attending yeah the, yeah yeah you think totally. that, like, some press the, person right, just yeah. gets stabbed that's hilarious right. but then there's like blood coming like it's it's pretty interactive it's pretty cool um, so, so doing that stuff was really neat. We also uh, were lucky enough to be able to attend both the premieres of The Boys and of uh, Carnival Row as well last night. So um, I don't know. I, I, I thought both shows were really, really cool. I, 
I, it, I read The Boys, you know, a decade ago um, for a while, and it felt, it felt, I, I, it, it's far enough gone that I don't remember it super well, but it felt familiar and did enjoy what I saw, and that one launches in just a couple of days. Um, and then Carnival Row was really fun as well. I heard Carnival Row went over really well. Carnival Row, it seemed like the, like, like it got, I, I, I would say it got like a much bigger reaction at the end than the boys did actually. Like, um, and I, I, I feel like I was expecting the boys to be pretty good. I didn't so know did too I, much about. I expected about, that to do better yeah, because it's yeah, Comic Con. Definitely, yeah. And I did not know too. Like, obviously, Carnival Row is already at a disadvantage because it's not based on a previously existing property at all. And so it got a huge reaction at the end, though. And I mean, it's got such a huge cast too, with people like Cara Delvine and Orlando Bloom. Um, and everything like that there as well. I saw, you know, Travis Beecham went to introducing the whole thing, Geek which is awesome. Travis Beecham, we, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like we hung with, we hung out with him at the booth a few years ago, and and he was just a super chill guy. And it's cool to see him get this like next level of success type thing, where he's introducing his like his baby, his brainchild at an event at Comic I feel like almost seeing him in a role like that was way cooler than seeing, you know, like the actors were all there and everything like that. But seeing that guy like. Like I mean, he made it before he created Pacific Rim, but, right? But to see him in a, in a role like that, I think was just like super. Uh, I don't know, just just inspiring. I really liked that. And Travis like, is awesome. Travis Such is super. Nice yeah, I remember just we just were chatting for here for like an hour about like nothing, like a couple years. Back. He just likes and, to come and hang out in the Geekscape booth. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that one was really really cool. There's so much stuff all over the place though. We also went to a really cool like museum exhibit. It was called. Uh, called like something it's something to do with Picard anyways like it's called like Jean-Luc Picard the first first officer or something like that and it basically feels like totally just a real museum exhibit about Jean-Luc Picard and his life and everything like that and so you have I don't know if they were real like props and stuff or just set up for the show itself but um just like museum exhibits so you see these articles and and you see like tags on them that are describing what they are and um you actually like through reading them kind of got a little bit of a sense of, of what Picard what might be happening in Picard as well and so it seems like like the character himself um, it's sort of tied into the new movie universe it seems like so he is a he, it sounds like he's like he was haunted by essentially what happened in the first Star Trek movie when the, you know there's that weird time thing and the um, the Romulan the stuff Adri- that happened in the, there. in the Abrams movie yeah and so he's kind of haunted and, and um, stuff happens from there at that point and so but seeing all this stuff was really really cool like it just if it felt like if you were to go to a museum exhibit about you know someone important in history like it would feel like this like it was so legitimate feeling I thought it was really really impressive um, and short lines for that one as well so, so. the Picard series yeah <coughs> takes place in the Kirk universe the the um, the original Trek universe. Yeah. But the time jump that led to the to I JJ so, universe. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and it's something had like, an effect. I th- it sounds like it. Yeah. And I'm not a huge like I've never really been a huge Star Trek guy. And aside from watching the um, the you know the three most recent movies and playing like a Super Nintendo game, I have not actually experienced it all that much. And so to be able to I don't know, but I feel like it's like seeing an exhibit like this and, and seeing everyone be so passionate about it and seeing how well this was done. It definitely makes me just want to. I like. I definitely plan on checking it out at this point. Because he, here's what Ian is ta- yeah. telling me about the um, the Picard stuff is that there were more announcements about Picard because well, they had a panel yesterday and too. You, yeah, and they showed a, are, a trailer out there now. If you're uh, a Star Trek fan, this thing is going to be yeah. 
And they've said it's serialized as well. It's not episodic like the old series, so it is all tied together as well, which I think is, I mean, how things need to be today to, to keep people interested. So, 7 and 9 and Data are in the cast. Okay, yeah. 7 and 9 is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's from Voyager. Yeah. And Data, and their appearance by uh, Deanna Troy and Riker. Oh, shit, yeah, yeah. So, and also Hugh of Borg. So, there are some, not just Next Generation, but yeah. also... Voyager and some of the other uh, Star Trek series characters appearing in Picard is what I think was revealed at the panel yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, remember when we were talking about the MCU being announced and like all the Marvel stuff? Yeah, I oh, guess yeah. we will touch on this. Uh, <laughs> and they only announced that the mutants are being in development. Yeah, right. They didn't say X-Men. They oh, said yeah, mutants. Yeah. yeah. I'm now hearing rumors, and this is, this is interesting, that... Um, Mutants is coming was what Marvel said. Okay. Like the mutants are coming. Yeah. But supposedly Victoria Alonso at Marvel doesn't like the term X Men because there are women too. X people. Yeah, I was like just the call X, it the X, X, X people. Yeah. <laughs> um, the property's called X Men. I don't see how far how Marvel uh, can that have would be insane. Yeah, success without calling it like, X Men. Yeah. But even now in the Marvel books, if you guys are Marvel comic readers... Well, they announced like six new X-Men series, in the, Well, the two that are new now, the, the Jonathan Hickman ones, are all like this of X and that of X. Right, yeah, They're yeah. not X-Men uh, so they're main to, they're like, titles. And I'm wondering if it's Marvel is trying to yeah. pivot away from just X. the term X-Men. Because, yeah. I mean, they could focus more on it being... You know the X gene itself, and but you can put X in front of everything. Are you gonna put a movie up that's called X, not called X Men? I don't know. Like, how do you do that? I mean, though everything they touch makes a, almost a billion dollars. It feels like so. It's like it'll be weird for, like, it'll be weird for like a minute, and then it still is gonna be one of the top grossing movies of that year, and then it'll just be the normal or whatever. Right. right. And I feel like well, like one benefit of that is it also does help to you know a lot of this stuff gets so confusing in like how many times we've seen a reboot of Spider-Man and we've had the Fantastic Four and now a new Fantastic Four and like all of that stuff like like some separation there I feel like could be good for the people that are super casual viewers as well like so it won't connect it to the Fox X-Men movies I yeah I to have these I, movies called like Cyclops not calling yeah not calling it straight up X-Men I feel like might be a do a better might do a better job of differentiating it, differentiating it from the 20 terrible movies that have come before so are we going to have a movie called House of X we're gonna have a movie called Age of X. We're gonna have a movie called probably all of them. Yeah. Yeah. One a year. One a year for the yeah. rest of time. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I. I like, yeah. Go ahead. I just uh, man, yeah. Those Marvel announcements for yesterday were really cool as well, and I loved that. Like, the 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 movies that I love the best in that universe are always the kind of more grounded stories around the singular heroes, and I just feel like so many of the movies feel like they exist almost solely to. You know, set up seven other movies, and I feel like like not seeing an Avengers title in there for the next few years. I feel like is I'm really excited for it because I feel like I hope that we get more of these singular character arcs and singular stories because that's what really you know I, I like like all those movies way more than all the, the right. Avengers but you're getting stuff. Guardians, yeah, yeah, type stuff like with the Eternals. You are yeah, getting team yeah. books. You are getting, but like Guardians has always felt like. Like, because we, you know, there was no, you know, Peter Quill, there was no Rocket movie. Like, it always felt like that was a singular element, whereas, you know, like, stuff like like Civil War and everything like that, it just felt like an Avengers light movie, and it was great for what it was, but I, you know, like, I love love stuff like, uh, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming and stuff way more, because it just felt like a Spider-Man movie, not like, oh, here's most of the Avengers, but not all of It's universe building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Derek, is there anything left for you to experience today? 
Uh, today we're heading over to uh, FX is back as they always are. So they've rebranded their FX Ambition that's been here for the last few years to it's called the FX Fearless Forum. It's like we're fearless because we've survived the Disney merger, <laughs> right? For now, anyways. the FX yeah, people are fearless now because they got past that first yeah, Disney merger go. and they kept their jobs. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go check that out. We haven't actually seen anything on the backside of the convention at all, so probably do some walking around there just as the show starts to wind down. Um, but I'm excited for that. They always have really cool installations for American Horror Story and everything like that. And part, I mean, part of the best thing about being here this year, like I love spending the time with all of you, but being able to see... You know, Michaela, who you know is works social media for the site, and she writes articles, and she comes on the podcast sometimes. Like, she's never experienced an event to this caliber and to this amount of people, and so to be able to see just how overwhelmed and excited and stuff she is has been super rewarding for me as well. Um, just because I feel like after you come year after year after year, you like, like it kind of loses a little bit of that charm. Sure. Um, and so to see a fresh, someone with fresh eyes on it as well, I think is like it kind of reinvigorates you a little bit more too. So um, that's been a that's been a really excellent addition as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just love coming down here. I love seeing you guys. I wish it wasn't a once a year thing. Um, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah. You can just move to Los Angeles. Let's let's get you know or Matt's house. Or Matt's house. There's probably room in that. If he gets rid of some of those VHS tapes, there might be room in. Uh, you know, we can probably put a bed in there. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I know yeah. you're not bringing your Macho Man Randy Savage figure. Right, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was pretty small. If I bought those, you know, maybe I could, uh, maybe I could afford to move to LA. Who knows? Yeah, we do eBay them like yeah. the rest of those jerks. Right. 25, 25. I got 25 had, on eBay right had now. 25 That's what he said. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, because they did an online pre-order too. He's like, yeah, I tried to order a whole, whole case of them, but I don't know if they're going to actually ship them. And it's like, you're a dick. Like, come on. Let somebody else have one of these things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Comic-Con, though. It's still, you know, whatever you buy. I spent so much money this year. I feel like Michaela's been an enabler. And, like, usually I'm like, nope, can't buy anything. Just a couple Mondos, that's it. This year she's like, oh, that's cool. You should get that. And I'm like, okay. Like, it feels like permission at that point. But um, I have no idea how I'm going to get it all back to Canada at this point. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Well, I hope Sam helps you <laughs> with, the, with the application for yeah, uh, yeah, the commercial visa. Yeah. It's like, because you know what? It's a business trip. The second you start selling that stuff on eBay. Ah, uh, yep, yeah. So, don't you need a business license for that? You do. Stuff, though? Yeah. You need a business. Yeah. You need that that special visa. <laughs> uh, all right, Geekscapers, we're gonna keep plugging away here on the Geekscape Comic Con yeah. San Diego 2019 special. Make sure to check out Geekscape.net as well, because we've been throwing up like recaps of each day. Uh, we kind of have recaps of things like the Amazon installation with videos of what each of the uh, the actual activations actually are. Um, as well as things like tons of photos from the Picard Museum. So if you are in San Diego, all of that stuff is still, well, it won't be open by the time this, this uh, releases. But uh, if you missed out on it, it is worth checking out. So geekscape.net, there's articles up on all of that stuff and still more to come. So. It's a brand new website. It's Geekscape a brand new is. website. It's a, it loads so much faster. It looks so much more sleek. Um, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's a simpler layout and I think that it's going to be really good for us. So thank you, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Uh, Geekscape is where we'll be right back. Geekscapists, on the last episode, it was Matt Kelly and I previewing Comic-Con. Now it's Matt Kelly and I closing down Comic-Con. You fucked up already. We, Should we say in reviewing Comic-Con? No, we're closing this we baby down. We were previewing, now we're reviewing. <laughs> I don't know. If you weren't hanging out with DMC enough. <laughs> Matt, I don't know how much review we got. We've pretty much been in this booth the entire time. Well, listen, time. I'm telling you, that Yu-Gi-Oh board's pretty tight. Yeah, we've seen the Yu-Gi-Oh. And we've, these paintings. We've seen some paintings. Tomatoes. There's not been a whole lot of reviewable Maddox. stuff. We've just been sitting here in our booth. That being said, 
Um, how's it been, dude? That we've done five days of this stuff, and this is our latest geek uh, Comic Con. Next year's Comic Con has already been paid for. So I will say, and I don't know for sure. Maybe I've said this every year, but genuinely, the other times I was probably lying. This has been my favorite Comic Con. I just need Jonathan to keep going. Yeah, Jonathan's the, in a tight yeah, the spot. Yeah, the last two years has been like, no, it was great. <laughs> hey, Jonathan, you're just really doing great right now. I'm like, then why do I feel rotten inside? But like this year, I feel like. We laughed more than we've laughed in years. Yes. We sold more shirts than we've sold in years. Yes. And we hacked more than we hacked. We in played years. more. We haven't hacked today. We got to make sure that that happens. I got it soon. with me. Uh, but we do a know, lot of hacky sack here. We did a booth. lot of hacky sack, but also, for the most part, every single person who came. If you're going to turn your head that way, then sorry. move the mic. I am sorry. I'm not. I just I. What do you need to do? Um, listen, I'm, I, I'm watching the booth. Okay, I'm just in salesman mode, dude. Matt is at Matt is at a profile angle to the to the uh, to the people walking past, so he's turning his head away from the mic every time he somebody walks past. I'm like, I'm dude, not, I got you. I'm just not. I'm, you can turn your back to no, the booth. It might actually help sales. That's, that's what I'm doing. How dare? How dare you? <laughs> um, but no, and I think one of the bigger things about this year that was great was that for the most part. All of the signees were good friends of ours that we've known forever. So it was just like hanging out with folks. There wasn't, sometimes the signings can be really stressful because you don't really know the people. They're kind of taking over your like safe zone for for a bit and you yeah. feel less safe in your safe zone. Um, but you know, with Megaran, Andre, um, you know, Satine, Josh and Ashley, Don and Andy, like all those people are friends. It just feels like people hanging out in your own basement. And even DMC's a friend now. Yeah, DMC is now a friend. But even there, there was a little bit of like awkwardness at the start of that. We're like, I don't know. There was a little bit of awkwardness throughout. Yeah. Um, and he comes with an entourage. He comes with an entourage. We don't have that kind of space. Yeah, DMC's great. I give DMC five stars out of five. But when you bring five people with you, they got to go somewhere. Yeah, they lose a lot of stars. Yeah. <laughs> where where are you gonna go? Yeah. Excuse me, sir. Where are you where are you supposed to stand? Where are you gonna go? We just don't have that kind of real estate. Yeah. Uh, it is only a ten by ten booth, people. It is only a ten by ten booth. Um, that being said, Matt, have you been able to experience anything outside of this booth? So Derek was able to help get me one of the two exclusives I was really gunning for. So that was exciting. Uh, it's the Unfortunately, it's the most impractical one packing-wise. I'm still nervous about it because of the shape of the cube and the suitcase. I'm like, and it's super fragile. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to actually make it to Pennsylvania. So we'll see. That might be a ship or a carry-on. Well, it's it's. We'll see what happens. I'm going to carry it on in my suitcase, but I'm still like, I have a carry-on suitcase and a check suitcase. I get it, but that may have to be in your hands. It's a porcelain tiki mug I might have space in the backpack maybe I'll put it in the backpack and then I can carry yeah yeah dude I don't think you put that in a suitcase yeah I'm very because that straw is like well the straw I took out of it okay. the straw's in a separate thing okay the straw's safe it's I like knew the glass straw mixing straw yeah it's terrifying this but, is a Jaws tiki mug that, yeah uh, we, that you was, heard about it last week yeah uh, he got it he got it now the the one I thought would be easy was the Macho Man Slim Jim exclusive which we just covered with Derek yeah. as being the holy grail of this convention it turned out and three people got them and they're all on eBay now yeah yeah. so go on eBay apparently according to that exhibitor they're selling like hotcakes mm-hmm. um, but yeah so that was a little bit of a downer uh, I got to visit my friends at the few booths that I always hit up so I always hit up Full Moon 
I always hit up Shout, um, and I always hit up Troma. So I got something from each one of those tables, but that was it. This was probably the least amount of money I've spent ever at a San Diego Comic Con. I know it's nothing compared to your zero that you spent so far. At I, uh, so the booth is paid for for next year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we win. I think Jonathan wins this one. But I mean, like, as far as buying like <laughs> oh merch, merch stuff. Like, I don't buy any yeah. of it. Every once in a while, you would get something, but it's it's no, been I've, less and less each year. I have spent zero. Booth. But uh, except for the booth for next year, yeah. that is. More than zero. A little bit. Just a tiny bit. But come back. We're going to be back. But uh, I think that this was a good year for networking, which was exciting. Yeah. Um, this was a good year for... Uh, we got to know the people uh, beside us. We have, we've known Maddox for a couple years now. But, uh, you know, we got to know the people in Toy Atomic a little uh-huh. bit more. Who they've been here for a couple years. Um, but they had the Creepy Co. people. They were great. They were a blast to talk to. Uh, we got to meet Dustin, who's working on the new Killer Tomatoes movie. So you know yeah. him and I had an immediate friendship. Yeah, you got to subscribe to Horror Movie Night Podcast because you know that's coming down the pipe. <laughs> that movie looks tight. Um, and I'm sure on this same episode, you'll hear that we just befriended the directors of Velocipaster. Which... The director and the star of Velocipaster. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation because I can't wait to enjoy that ridiculous concept for a movie that might actually have a little bit of a message. A little bit, According, Yeah, that's what we were talking okay, about. Okay, well, I can't wait to see it as well. But. Intended or not, it might have a message. That's what we were talking about, is people might be seeing into Velocipaster a little more than was intended. <laughs> it's just a fun movie, and then some people are like, oh, but the meaning. <laughs> okay. But, but yeah, like, I think we had a great group. You know, like, Mika kind of just fit into the mold. Derek, um, it was great to add Steven to the mix. Yeah, Steven did a Steven. great job. Um, this has been a tight team. It's been a fun team. No drama. We are just hanging out. Uh, we're getting it done. It almost feels like we didn't do Comic-Con. And as always, every year, it feels like we just started. And well, now we're at the end of it. This year felt, I, and I said this before, this year felt a little off to me. And I, and I don't know why. Like, I think Geekscape was great. It's the mo- it's, this is the most efficient we've been. This is the best booth we've ever had. But Comic-Con felt, like, it didn't feel like Comic-Con this year for some reason. And not like in the like I felt like we were at Comic Con, but there wasn't like this laundry list of exclusives I couldn't wait to get. There wasn't like a ton of announcements that I was looking forward to. There wasn't like any big panels that I couldn't wait to get online and read about. Like it just kind of felt like this year, for the 50 year anniversary, I was hoping that this would be a way bigger like deal for the convention as a whole. But it just felt like it was the same convention, just slightly more people. Slightly cheaper bags. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, bag, the bags tear almost immediately. <laughs> but, uh, that being said, like I don't think Comic-Con, Comic-Con can get any bigger. No, it can't get any They bigger. tried expanding the... the they, they, they went to the city of San Diego. They wanted to see if they could make improvements or expansions to the, to the convention center. The city of San Diego said no. Yeah. All they did was uh, modify the sales pavilion upstairs. That's about it. And then, um, you know, Comic-Con flirted with moving to Anaheim. They flirted with moving to... San, uh, Las Vegas or Los Angeles that probably is not going to happen I think they've renewed their lease on the, uh, for this event through 2022-3 somewhere in there so we'll be back next year and this is as big as Comic Con is going to get Yeah, and I love it and I love the fact that this Comic Con did not stress me out trying to chase exclusives I wasn't hungry for too much news 
Guy and I are so involved in our other storytellers and the storytelling and the things that we're doing with the Geekscape brand to make movies and other projects. You've got your pilot you're finishing up. We got so many things going on outside of Comic-Con that we just didn't let this bowl over us like we have yeah. last year. And, and trust me, I agree that it was way more relaxing that way. It just felt... It felt weird because it was like all I was was building up excitement to get to Comic-Con. And then when I got here, it was just like, all right, well, here I'm here. And yeah. then, like, the excitement was kind of like it didn't have anywhere to go beyond that. Yeah. That being said, we're getting a Blade movie, motherfuckers. <laughs> also, <laughs> on, on top of that, I think that there was some exciting stuff going on at the booth. Uh, I missed it completely. Both times, but Super Action Man dropped by. Super and Action did Man ex- was insane this he, year. He did, like, extended visits to the booth. Almost an hour each time, John. What were you doing during that time? Crying. I mean... Crying in the bathroom. Per usual. Per usual. Uh, I fell asleep one of the times. <laughs> but then I come to the booth and everybody's just shell-shocked to be like on it. Like, Sam comes in, he says a bunch of crass stuff, he talks about America, he... Uh, takes pictures with a bunch of babes and then he takes off. I will say though, I was a little bummed to hear that security was just not letting El Chucho through the doors this year at all. Oh, that's the wall. That's Trump's wall. Gotcha. Yeah, he had to deal with ICE uh, checks. You know, they were doing checks hey, all guys, over. You know what that means? You got to go and vote, vote properly in November next year. Otherwise, yeah, vote you super know, El Chucho will never be back. Yeah, we can't have El Chucho get. Well, we can, but uh, <laughs> El, El, Ch- El Chucho's an American citizen. He's just. Man, uh, I can see why ICE kind of, it's drawn into question. American, American citizen, but national disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, Sam, like the epitome of Americanism, like that guy, like he's running for office. He declared right here at the booth his presidential campaign. And uh, Sam in 2020, I mean, I got to say some of these campaign like platforms that he was announcing a here at the booth rough. are a little rough. I mean... He was going around shouting, make DC Comics readable again? That's He was talking about building like four, I think it was almost six walls that he, he wanted. He said he wanted to build, he doesn't want to build a wall, he wants to build four walls, keep the Canadians out in case the Atlanteans attack. He wants to build a dome in case there's Martians, and maybe a sub-infrastructure under our country to keep mole men out. Yeah. I don't know if that'll work. Uh, he also did warn from rushing the gates of 50, uh, Area 51, because he said, I put those green motherfuckers in there. Let's that's a pimple you don't want to that's pop. A, was his exact he said, quote. "That's a pimple you guys don't want to pop because it'll bleed." He said he put those aliens in there. He doesn't want us to get them out. So, do please do not rush the gates at Area Fifty One. Yeah, he was a uh, he was something else this yeah. year. Yeah, he he was a live wire. When is he not a live wire? This is just the most Sam we've ever had. Yeah. That being said, well, you've had. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking. I'm excited it. for the. I'm excited for those debates. The Sam debates, he's promised me that he's going to put the baiting back in debating. <laughs> and I don't know what that means. It may just mean that he turns on a lot of women. And they, uh, I hope he gets back yeah. on Twitter one day. I miss that. The last tweet. thing he tweeted, I don't know if you saw this tweet. No. When the women won the World Cup. Yeah. He said, you may not be invited to the White House, but you're definitely invited to mine. Oh, damn. Yeah, he said that. He, he you know, he definitely, tri- he definitely shot his shot at the women's <laughs> national team. To try and get a, a, I think a group thing going on, yeah, I, I found it to be, dis- I found it to be a bit disrespectful. I hope he gets back on Twitter. I hope he starts live, live tweeting with the debates of, between his yeah. other candidates. You know, not like, a bad idea. Not a bad idea. He and I talked, have talked about maybe doing some uh, interview podcasts in the future. I think that would be cool. Yeah, I, I just want to know. I just want to meet him. 
That'll be exciting for you to finally get some FaceTime with Sam. I think he's just going to want to Skype it. He's like, he said, I don't have the real time for you, loser. <laughs> he's a I real dick to you, I just hope there's not a whole lot of helicopter noise in the background. You should hear the terrible things he said about me and Gee, but like, he really goes hard at you. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. For, you're welcome for your platform, Sam. Um, okay, <laughs> dude. For next year, this year, like, what are your takeaways? Uh, for next year, like, I'll try to come out. I guess. Okay. Now, uh, last this this year was fun. I feel like this was um, this was definitely the year where it felt like Matt's booth, in the sense of I was just. Telling people what the fuck to do and getting shit done. Is that okay? Oh, are you okay with it? Yes, that? that's a responsibility I wanted you to have. <laughs> yes, that is a that's great. But yeah, I think the, I, I think that you take pride in it. I think you like doing it. You like coming in here earlier and getting your zen and kind of per, like seeing everything. And you're very good at it. I like, come in, I meditate, I replenish the shirts, I set up the table the way that the table needs to be you set. You have for that day. your you have your ritual. Yeah. I think the only thing great. I didn't get to do was Starbucks because they let exhibitors in so freaking late that like there was already a 30 minute line at Starbucks by the time you get in the door I'm sorry Matthew so it's alright I just needed that chai tea this week and it never happens well guys <laughs> Matt has sacrificed so much for you guys this weekend chai tea uh, the least you can do is subscribe to his podcast Horror Movie Night in the Boy Meets World podcast that's cancelled you know what? The episodes are still there, so you can still hear Matt talk to nobody Disney about the horror really movie. Stop it! Push. I'm in the middle of a sentence. Sorry. Learn the podcast. Um, he's gonna, you know, just listen. Sorry, to I learned from Sam. Please, <laughs> <laughs> shut up, loser. Uh, that's kind of close to what he sounds like. Um, he's more manly. Uh, yeah, you can listen to Matt. Go back to the back episodes. Listen to him talk about Boy Meets World. Every episode broken down. It just this podcast. If ever we built Geekscape for any purpose, it was to give Matt a reason to talk about Boy Meets World for three listeners. Uh, you know, this got Matt through some tough times. You know, he had the two hours. He, <laughs> he was definitely good to go. Um, if you have any spare time after that magnum opus that is Matt's Boy Meets World podcast, I guess you can subscribe to Disney Does and Horror Movie Night. But by then, I think you might be all matted out. Uh, anything else left to add? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I will say that we met a couple people where there might be some new podcasts on the horizon. Uh, going to be emailing them and working out some details. So Geekscape's family is just going to keep growing uh, in the next couple weeks to months. Well, you can find us online at our Facebook group, our Twitter, our YouTubes, our Instagrams, which have been hopping. It's been fucking awesome. When a rock and roll hall of famer like dmc starts tweeting at you and like posting pictures of himself in a geekscape shirt and shouting out geekscape and doing geekscape freestyles it's just insane um there's tons going on year round it's not just comic con geekscape thank you for continuing to subscribe to the feed thank you for continuing to be a part of geekscape and uh we'll you'll hear from us in the next week you'll hear from us throughout the week with all of our podcasts and from san diego comic con over and out geekscape forever You're listening to the Geekscape Network.